Before we begin, I just wanted to say a very huge thank you to all of our new patrons who helped us to meet our goal. So for the rest of the summer, we will be going to a weekly format, at least until my classes start again in August. I don't know what my course load will be in fall, so I can't promise it will be beyond that, but will be weekly at least through the end of August. Also a quick note about our social media presence. We've decided to let our Facebook page and group go, but we are on Instagram. So you can find us just at Stargatesing on Instagram. Thanks and enjoy the show. (laughs) (laughs) You sounded very serious. It's very serious business, this podcast. Indeed. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And every week, we discuss an episode of Stargate, beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello! Hello. How are you? Okay, I've been really grouchy today, but that's okay. Oh, I hate that. I like... I had I took the day off from work uh, because we normally Fabulous. are usually taking like two weeks off of work around this time. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> but so I've been trying to take a few days here and there. Um, yeah. But I just couldn't like I wasn't feeling that great when I woke up, so I just oh. didn't do much besides watch Stargate and then Arrested Development. And then I cut some nice. PVC pipes, <laughs> but I have Excellent. not finished the fort because I got caught up in a uh, a cleaning out my closet project this weekend. So ah, many. Well, that's yeah. good. That's worthwhile. I well, I was going to say I need to do that, but I I just moved, so I don't really have. I actually have stuff in this closet with me here that is part cave and part storage closet. But what I really need to do is like clean the bathrooms that are already messy yeah well i gotta clean everything and part of the problem was that my closets were overstuffed with a bunch of crap i don't use anymore so Mm. i have been working on getting rid of stuff and replacing it with things i do use to put in my closets that is good yeah Yeah, i got we got rid of a ton of i feel bad being wasteful i just like throwing stuff out but we had so much stuff when we moved and that was pared down from when yeah. we moved two years ago because we'd been in our house for like a long time and then we moved and we got rid of a bunch of stuff and then even just being in our last place for two years we still had a bunch more stuff although i think a lot of it actually was like stuff we brought with us there and that we're like well we haven't used this in two years let's just get rid of it <laughs> and we we, yeah. we gave a bunch to goodwill but there was a lot of stuff that we couldn't take there or donate right. anywhere that we were just like well i guess this is trash now <laughs> yeah i I attempted last week to use our local Buy Nothing group on Facebook, and it was moderately successful, I guess. Well, I posted maybe four things, and two of them people took, uh, and actually one of them everyone wanted, so... (laughs) What was it? it? (laughs) So I had bought this, like outdoor lounge chair a few years ago that I never used. I was like, I'm going to sit outside and read in summer. I'm not doing that. I've got a porch. (laughs) I've got a porch. I'd have taken it. (laughs) I didn't know you have a porch. I haven't been to your new place. I know, which is sad. You totally would have been here by now if it weren't for all the COVID times. Sorry. (laughs) Yes, you should be sorry. It's totally your fault. It's my fault. I brought the COVID. Don't tell anyone. It was me. 
<laughs> I won't. It'll be a secret between you and me and everyone that listens. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah. your discretion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So the other stuff is it's a popular. Show. Yeah. And the other thing, somebody wanted my like crappy IKEA lamp that I had. <laughs> the, like it was one of the ones with the paper lampshade. And yeah, I used to love me those. Me too. And like the first, I had a set in my living room, and then one of the lampshades like crapped out, and then I couldn't find them in IKEA when I had gone yeah. there. So I ended up going to Goodwill, and I bought a set there. And they're like, "Buy at your own risk," and I'm like, "Lols, it's five dollars. That's fine with me." <laughs> and they work perfectly. So nice. It was yeah. So I had this one extra one that I was like, well, I'm not gonna toss a lamp. That seems silly. So let me just hang yeah. on to it for several years, even though I'm not using it. Right. But now it's someone else's. Fabulous. The rest of the stuff will go to Goodwill. But I, the buy nothing group is weird because sometimes people post like peanut butter they bought and like Ew. random stuff. They're like, I didn't open this. Do you want it? Like, if it's not open up, that's fine. But it's like, yeah. I'm like, that's but... something you wouldn't donate to Goodwill, although you could give it to no, a food true. bank. But Right. I think I would probably choose a food bank yeah. first over an online group where someone may or may not want it. And then. You have to figure out how to coordinate yeah. them coming to get it. Are you bringing it to them? It's a convenience matter a, a little bit, too. Like, yeah. where, like, you have to find somewhere to donate the food, whereas this is a... I, like, I just dropped off that chair on somebody's porch on my way to Lowe's to buy PVC pipes, and then... Uh. The second That's one, fair. they drove into my apartment complex, and I went outside and handed it to them through their car window. <laughs> That's fair. See, I like the convenience of just going, like, I know where there's a Goodwill, so just yeah. going there to drop stuff off. Or uh, I've never actually gone to the food bank to make a donation of food I had bought. I've made cash donations or, like, dropped stuff in a yeah. bin at the grocery store for them. I've never actually gone to one, but... Yeah, I just don't uh, know, like, where in non-holiday times where food yeah. drives happen. Like, I I donate money, too, to a food bank, but yeah. so that in... Because people are hungry outside of Christmas. I didn't know yes. you, if anyone knows <laughs> that, but... People are hungry yes. year-round. And it is good for people to have food. Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was my fun, and then I was cranky nice. and just watched TV most of today, because I was like, I don't feel well. This is stupid. What a waste of a yeah. day. I was in a shitty mood all day yesterday. I was just feeling, like, really anxiety-ridden, like, all day, and just blah. And it wasn't a day I had to work just because I happened to have the day off from work. I didn't have to do anything. And I was like, well, I should do some grading or I should do some other stuff, but I'm just going to sit here and feel sorry for myself for a while, even though I don't really have anything to feel all that sorry for myself for right now. I'm going to feel sorry for myself anyway. So that's mostly what I did yesterday. You can do that. Me and the, me and the dogs. It's okay <laughs> to feel sorry for yeah. yourself Yeah. once in a while. I guess all the time is a little bit much, but yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not something I feel the need to do or indulge in every yeah. day, but it's just in a shitty way. I am not putting anyone down, though, who does feel bad about themselves all the time. Like Absolutely not, because I have been I, there, and yeah. thankfully, after many years of treatment for that, I'm not nearly as bad as I used to be, so for sure, no judgment. So, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ideally, <laughs> ideally, a life where you just don't feel sorry for yourself all the time is a is is good i think yes yeah. yes that is that is the goal and the ideal i would say probably anyway what are we talking about where's my notes oh I have too many things open 
And I just restarted my computer too, but I was like, let me read about PVC PVC pipe connectors just in case I need more of them. I don't. PVC is I, fun. I used to yeah. love building stuff with PVC. I bought the I bought everything that was in the specifications, so hopefully yeah. we're good. I was just like, I'm sure you're fine. If I want to build a smaller one, what if I need to connect two bits I cut and they're too short, but I want to use those instead of buying more piping. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I didn't get very far in that, but I have all these tabs open. Okay, they're gone. I always have a million tabs open and like five million windows, and then Jeff gets mad at me, and he's like, you wonder why your computer acts up? It's because you've got five billion tabs open. <laughs> I'm like, well, I teach stuff, and I use a lot of them for teaching, and then I use some of them for job searching, which thankfully I'm not doing right now, but um, I'm keeping an eye on things just in case my adjunct positions decide not to rehire mm. me for fall. I might need some of these things. And I, you know, I've bookmarked yeah. them, so most of those are closed. But what I've, I've got a bunch of podcast tabs here. Oh, yeah. um, most of this is actually either podcast or school stuff. Yeah. yeah. I try to start fresh when we're doing the recording. So I, I restarted the computer and I only opened the stuff we're using, but then I was getting yeah. distracted. So <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Oh, so we're watching something, or we watch something. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, we are here to talk about uh, a show, aren't yeah, we? We are we doing are. podcasting. Today we watched Stargate SG-1, season two. I almost said one. <laughs> we are in season two, episode yes. two, In the Line of Duty. 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 <laughs> I don't know why I say that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway. How old are we again? <laughs> Too old. Too old. <laughs> we start in basically a war zone in this episode. Mm-hmm. We open on, there's a bust of this guy. <laughs> I don't know. It was a creepy yeah. looking thing, yeah. <laughs> I made a note of that too. Like, hello, there's a bust. It's actually more than just a bust. I think it was like a giant head on a tiny body. Oh, I did not notice that. I just saw a bust. Okay. <laughs> like a carved wooden creepy gnome-like guy. Yeah. In addition to the bust, there's a <laughs> village in the midst of being destroyed by the gold who are firing from above in ships. It, it didn't look like much of a village. It looked more like a campsite. But yeah, I think anyway, they were on the shore of a body of water and things are on fire. People are screaming. They're running. We can see in the in the midst of it that there are SG people there, too. They are trying to return fire at the ships with their guns, which (laughs) was very effective. I also thought that was an interesting choice. We see Jack and Carter running Presumably towards the gate, but Carter stops to help a man laying on the ground. Um, she says he's still alive. Jack runs by, urging her to get going. He's carrying some kid. I also liked that Teal'c was bald in this episode. I mean, he's always bald, but he had Doesn't nothing on his head. <laughs> he had nothing on his head. Sam had a helmet on that she then takes off to help when she goes to help this guy. Jack had his uh, baseball cap, and Daniel had a nice brimmed hat i just they, they all wore different hats different head yeah <laughs> I, was, I was amused by that i'm sorry Fair. i'm all over the place right now <laughs> yeah doesn't daniel have like a bucket hat that he often wears what's a bucket hat the kind of hat that daniel oh. wears. <laughs> the one he was wearing in this episode i don't remember but i think so if it's the one that i remember him wearing on many occasions 
I'm going to Google that because I need to know what it looks like. Oh, yes. That's what he was wearing. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the gate, uh, Daniel and Teal'c are helping people through the gate, escaping from the murderous gold and... Escape. Escape. <laughs> Peace, Sherman, 42, Wallaby Way, Sydney. Jack hands off a, the child to Teal'c and goes back for Carter. Daniel finds himself a very burned man to help. He says he's alive, but he bets he, he wishes the man wasn't. Or no, that's the wrong way to say that. What? <laughs> Daniel says the man is alive, but he's betting that the man wishes he was not alive because he is covered ah. in burns. Ooh. <laughs> Which is very sad. Yes, Although, which is why you're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> well, although later it turns out it didn't matter. It was fine. It's true. <laughs> Sam's doing CPR on the man she was helping, and he grabs the back of her head and holds her there for a moment. When she pulls away, she looks like she's trying to recover a bit. But then we see her eyes flash. Oh, shit. (gasps) Jack reaches her and gets her going. She wipes off some blood on her mouth. And they run for it. Well, they all make it. They uh, all make yeah. it through yeah. basically to the SGC, which is receiving all of these wounded people. And once Jack and Sam get through, they lock it up. Jack asks Sam if she's okay. She says she's fine, but she's kind of looking around like, "Where am I?" In the meeting room, Daniel says that the Nassians hadn't been visited by the Gold in over three centuries, and that they are, and corrects himself to, were a peaceful people. Although technically they're still survivors, yeah. so they're not were past tense. They're, they're, they still exist. He said that they had been eager to help set up a research outpost, so they'd been working pretty closely with SG-1 for a while, and the attack seemed to be completely unprovoked. Daniel said that they didn't even see the mothership approach or have any indication that it was there before the gliders just randomly showed up seemingly out of nowhere. Hammond says that it wasn't really like the gold to just show up unprovoked, but Jack points out that it's possible the gold knew SG-1 were there and wanted retaliation. Daniel's like, I don't know why they would care that we're here, but (laughs) Jack does point out that they just won a major battle against Apophis. So I don't really know why Daniel was confused by yeah, that, but I mean, he's really, he knows what he's talking about for the rest of this, but that was just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. I thought, you know, foreshadowing about what I'm going to say later about the episode, I thought that the dialogue in this episode seemed frequently weird and disjointed and often repetitive too. So. Sounds like me. Talking. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if uh, if that's something that you noticed at all, but no. There were some points where I was taking notes and I'm like, didn't I already type this? And I would read like a couple lines up. I'd be like, yes, I did already <laughs> type it. They're just saying it again. Okay. <laughs> Gotta really drive the point home. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Tilk says that the Glow World often will wipe out societies just for fun. So it wouldn't really be that surprising if they did just come up and uh, destroy this planet for no reason. Daniel is still skeptical, though, for whatever reason, as though he knows the Glow World better than Tilk does. Sam says that maybe the reasoning wasn't made apparent to Tilk. After all, you are just, you are just a Jaffa. <gasps> ominous music. <laughs> but then Sam clarifies that Apophis might not have explained everything to him despite his high rank. And Tilk says that that's possible. Daniel reiterates that they don't really have a whole lot of understanding of how Gold society actually works. 
And Sam's like, well, it's better to understand your enemy so that you are better prepared in conflict. Hammond asks how the survivors are doing. Apparently they rescued 237 of them. Some of them are being treated right there. And then several that they either just didn't have room for or that were in much too serious condition were transferred to the Air Force Academy Hospital. And those who aren't injured are just kind of hanging out and awaiting relocation on a new planet. Daniel is still kind of fixating on why this planet in particular was targeted for an attack. And Hammond agrees that that would be important to figure out. But he says that relocation of the survivors is really the most important thing at this point. And he's assigned a few other teams to coordinate with SG-1 on making that happen and reaching out to other planets to see if anyone's going to take them. As the meeting breaks up, Jack calls to, to Carter for a second and mentions that it's been noticed that she hasn't gone in for her medical check. So Sam says that she's going to go right away because she wouldn't want to break any post-mission protocol. And Jack stares into the middle distance and there's more dramatic music as she, she also complete with a chorus. <laughs> she also gave him like a punch in the shoulder. She did. It was, it was weird. weird. Which he picks up on, so, you know. Yeah. I also appreciated that Hammond specifies that the teams helping with the relocation are new Stargate teams, 10 through 12, which seems to be evidence that almost getting wiped out from space had an impact (laughs) on perhaps funding their program. Yes. They seem to be expanding now instead of shutting down, so that's good. Way to go, Kinsey. Way to get on board. Yeah. Well done. (laughs) Yep. Good job. Well, in the affir- in the affirmary, <laughs> that's where you go for affirmation. Yeah, yeah. when you're feeling bad yeah. about yourself, you go to the yeah. affirmary and you feel better. Yeah. People there yeah. are going to be like, "You're great. Mm-hmm. We love you, and you are smart, strong, capable, all that kind of stuff." Yeah, you are our favorite person. Yeah. I want an infirmary to. Go that would to. be nice. That would be great. Yeah. But instead, they're in the infirmary. Um, <laughs> in the infirmary, yes. Dr. Frazier is checking out Carter. She's feeling around the back of her neck, checks out the front of her neck. Frazier says she's sorry to have to do this, which seems kind of strange hmm. since apparently it's protocol. I also thought that was weird because, as you said, it's something they do all yeah. the time. She checks Sam's throat and notices there's a small abrasion in the back, and she does a swab of it. While she's examining Sam, she does mention that Cassie's been asking about her. Carter says she's been busy. After she's like, yeah, Cassie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I know that. I know who that is. Totally for sure know who that is. So Fraser says she understands that Carter's busy and let me know if your sore throat gets worse. Sam makes sure she's free to go help out scout new homes for the Nazians the next day and Fraser says sure but also why don't you come by the hospital and visit Cassie who will be hanging out with me there all day because hospitals are fun. Yeah. Yeah so what kid wouldn't want to just hang out at the hospital all day? Mm. Sounds like good times. Definitely. Yeah. At the Air Force Hospital, you get a close-up of a burn Hang victim. Hang on, before oh, we... Yeah. Did you Sorry. see that they actually like put the caption up on the screen that said it was the U.S. Air Force Academy Hospital? I did. As if you wouldn't <laughs> notice. Right. 
by the hospital vehicles. Like, there was red crosses on the military vehicles. And also, they talked about the hospital. (laughs) And it was really weird. I thought it was weird, too. Because normally, like, when we go from scene to scene, we don't normally get a caption telling us where we are. So it did seem strange that they would suddenly decide, we need to tell everybody where this is. Because apparently we're all... Trying something new for season two. I don't know. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, it's weird. So at this Air Force hospital that they were kind enough to tell us that we are now at, we get a close-up of a burn victim covered in bandages. Fraser is there making a voice recording that the burns cover most of his body, about 80% so far, but he is infection-free, though. So he's doing okay. Sam comes in and Fraser tells her that Cassandra is in her office. So apparently Fraser has an office there and also at the base. And I was wondering how she splits her time between the two locations. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Sam and Fraser both leave, but the camera lingers on the burn victim guy, and we see that his body is glowing underneath his bandages. <gasps> Crazy. What could that I don't be? Know. Cassandra's finger painting in Fraser's office. She's got a huge she office. She does. It's that? really. <laughs> and it's mostly empty, Good too. for her. I don't... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Must be nice. Sam knocks and comes in. Cassie starts to rush to greet her, but then remembers she's covered in finger paint. So she goes to wipe <laughs> it off. Sam compliments her painting, and Cassandra says her teacher... Says she has talent. I'm not sure I see it, but I'm just kidding. I don't trash children's artwork. Actually, maybe I do. Not to their faces anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sam loves it, though. Of course. Then Cassandra rushes over and they hug. But then Cassandra suddenly gets this weird expression on her face and seems freaked out. So she backs away and then, like, cowers. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> she is freaked out and cowers by the couch. Sam then flashes her glowy eyes at Cassandra and starts to approach her. Back at the base in the control room, Jack and Hammond are staring at the big glass star chart wall and trying to figure out where to send the Nassians to. It seems like they aren't really having any luck finding any takers, which made me think back to the Tolan when, like, everybody wanted to take the Tolan, but for whatever reason, nobody wants to take the Nassians Tolan had, you know, better tech. (laughs) Right, exactly. Surely that's what it boils down to. (laughs) So a random lab coat lady in the back, because apparently lab coat, you know, people wearing lab coats are all you're going to find in the control room now, (laughs) says that there's a call for Jack and hands out the phone for him. Back at the hospital, Fraser and Jack are walking down the hall, and Fraser tells him that she's not really sure what happened or what's wrong, but that she, whoever that is, will only talk to Jack. They get to Fraser's office where Cassandra has locked herself in, so apparently she was talking about Cassandra. Cassandra does open the door for them when they knock, and then she immediately runs back to cowering against the far wall. Jack sits down with her and asks her what happened, and she kind of comes over and snuggles up to him, and he asks again what's wrong, and Fraser tells him that Cassandra's been upset ever since Sam's visit and doesn't really know what happened, but then Cassandra says that 
she can't tell them what happened because Sam said that she will kill her if she says anything. <laughs> so needless to say, Jack and Fraser are rather surprised by that. And they're like, no, she wouldn't do that. And Jack assures her that Sam loves her. And Cassandra's like, well, she would now because she's a gold. Eek. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I don't have a name for Gould Sam or <laughs> Gam. Gam. Gam? <laughs> Sam Hagfish. Sagfish. Sagfish. <laughs> Sam of the Hagfish. <laughs> Hagfish Sam. Hagfish exclamation point Sam. <laughs> yes. In the SGC, Sam or perhaps a gold in Sam's body, <laughs> moves Sam. She's moving quickly and bursts into the locker room where Daniel and Tilk are getting ready for their mission to go find a new place for the survivors to live. She w- demands to know where O'Neill is, and they <laughs> tell her he is going to meet them in the gate room. Gam. <laughs> gonna do it now <laughs> gam <laughs> sam tells them to step on it and then gets the hell out of there daniel's like what was that they seem puzzled in the gate room sam is impatiently pacing daniel and teal arrive and then o'neill comes in he's clearly not ready for a mission he says they need to stand down they're on a hold there's some kind of problem he says and he approaches sam and casually pops her in the arm with some kind of sedative <laughs> it, was, it was pretty slick I <laughs> it was yeah he just like walks right up to her and yeah. smacks her in the arm it doesn't do anything Fraser says that was enough to take down an elephant <laughs> Sam then picks up a gun and points it at Jack and demands in Gould voice to open the Stargate Daniel a little slow on the roll asks Jack what the <laughs> hell is going on we make fun of Daniel a lot, but he kind of deserves it <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Sam demands again to open that they open the gate now I command you with eyes flashing another soldier shoots her with a tranquilizer he only pulled up his weapon and aimed it at her though when her eyes flashed why did it take him so long to respond to it like she had a gun pointed at Jack and the guy's just standing there like <laughs> oh now her eyes are glowing now I guess I should take it seriously yeah, I don't <laughs> Don't. When she was pulling a gun on people, why didn't he pull his weapon then? Does seem odd. I don't know. So Daniel's no. not the only one who's caught off guard, I guess. Even though he's <laughs> the guard a guard. Is also yeah. caught off guard. <laughs> <laughs> They're good at their jobs. <laughs> Gold Sam knocks down Jack. Then she pulls out a grenade and pulls the pin and demands the gate be opened or she will kill everyone, including herself. More soldiers pull guns, finally. Again, why didn't they have them out already? I don't know. <laughs> they waited even longer than the first guy. Tilk also readies his weapon, but Jack wants everyone to chill. There's basically a little standoff there with all the weapons and Sam holding the grenade. <laughs> what a predicament! Jack says nobody's going to open the Stargate, trying to reason with gold Sam. We're all going to live or we're all going to die right here. He says it is not going to happen that they're going to let him go, let her, 
they them let the gould go <laughs> yeah, yeah there you go then finally the tranquilizers take effect and sam slowly falls to the ground jack manages to grab the grenade to prevent it from exploding the soldiers take sam and jack replaces the pin in the grenade thankfully she'd only dropped it right there on the floor and didn't yeah toss it <laughs> yeah like that wasn't like the first thing that happened was her grip let go so <laughs> yeah so well done jack though on uh, being on top yeah. of that in the meeting room, Jack is telling Hammond that Cassandra was the first one to suspect that there was any kind of a problem and that he didn't even really believe that she was necessarily right until he saw Sam flipping out in the gate room. Fraser says that Cassandra still has a little bit of Naquita in her blood and so that may, might possibly make her more sensitive to the presence of a Gwawold somehow. Obviously, they want to figure out how she managed to pick up a hagfish and Fraser insists that she saw absolutely no indication that anything was wrong. Uh with sam other than a small abrasion on the back of her throat other than the small abrasion on the back of her throat (laughs) there were no visible signs of anything that could have been anything could have been anything why was she even checking her throat like okay anyway (laughs) (laughs) so hammond is like are you saying it entered through her mouth I don't know why he's incredulous at that, because as Fraser then points out, the goal is to get to the brainstem, and that would be a very direct route to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, agreed. Very. Bleh. So suddenly Jack is like, holy crap, how did I forget? Then he tells everybody else about Sam doing mouth to mouth on the guy on the planet. He says that he noticed that she had some blood on her mouth, but that she'd told him that the guy had bit his tongue before she was doing mouth-to-mouth on him. Fraser says, if it's possible to pick up a hagfish with no outward signs, then everyone is going to need an MRI or an ultrasound when they come back from a mission, or maybe just look, look at, at their, their throats. throats. She, she didn't actually say that last part. That's yeah. Kathy and I adding that in. <laughs> so Hammond says, well, for now, let's just make sure we didn't let any more of them back through the gate. They debate what a Gould would have even been doing on the other planet to begin with, and Jack figures it was likely planted there to bait them. Tilk points out that Sam could have already planted some kind of device on the base that could destroy the whole thing. So Hammond puts Tilk in charge of looking around for it, since he would be the most able to recognize Gould technology more so than anybody else on the base. And they debate what to do with Sam, but Jack insists that they get the hagfish out of her. Daniel points out that it didn't work out so well for Kowalski when they tried that. And then says, well, what if Colonel Mayborn and all his buddies find out about this? And Jack says they're not going to find out. Hammond agrees. It says that they're not going to give up on Sam because he always agrees yep. with Jack. And he says they're going to try to figure out how to help her. And in the meantime, Jack's going to be in charge of interrogating the hagfish that is now inside of her. And Jack is like, well, it's not going to tell me anything. And him is like, well, we need to know why it's here. So this was a, a conversation that I felt seemed kind of disjointed where like they weren't, you know, I, I didn't obviously read word for word everything that they said, but it seemed to me like they were kind of skipping over around from topic to topic without really much of a segue. Mm. And then like when people were responding to each other, it seemed to not be a direct response to the thing <laughs> that the person said, like, like they go from like, 
Fraser saying they need to check people on missions to, well, let's check the base for a device. Well, let's interrogate her to like, it's just, I don't know. I guess they're just trying to get a bunch of information in one short yeah. scene, but it just seemed, like I said, kind of disjointed the way that they jumped from one topic to the other. Yeah. Back at the hospital, which we don't get a title telling us where we are. So I'm very confused. <laughs> don't know where we are. I'm just, no. Nope. You wouldn't have known otherwise. And uh, I didn't. I was lost as well. Yeah. A doctor enters the room with the covered and completely in gauze burn victim to do some testing. He goes to remove the bandages, I think, or at least some of them to have a look. Mm -hmm. And then he's suddenly strangled by the man in the bed. Kowalski style. Kowalski style. Yeah. He did not manage to escape and press an alarm like second doctor did. He went out like first doctor. Daniel, meanwhile, is also in the hospital, and he goes to visit a random woman. We don't know her. Later, we find out her name, but I think I wrote... Oh, Talia. That's what it was. Yeah. He mentioned it later. Did you notice that he just walks right in without bothering to knock, and he's like, oh, sorry. I I didn't see you there. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't expect anyone to be in this room that I was coming to visit so that I could talk to whoever was in the room. (laughs) She comments, the world is an amazing place. Daniel says it can be and introduces himself. And she's like, you guys are responsible for saving us. Thanks so much. Daniel's like, can we talk? But we don't know what about because that was the end of the scene. Right. Yeah. I bet we'll never find out. No. Back at the base, Jack is sitting and looking pensive. I think this is the locker room. I think so. I don't know. Till comes in and says he's about to start his sweep of the base, but then he takes a second to sit down with Jack and says this is difficult. Jack agrees with him. And Till tries to give him some advice for how to go about the interrogation. He says that the best way to get information will be to insult the hagfish's intelligence and make it look foolish. And in that case, its ego might make it start giving away information in order to make itself look better. Jack is skeptical, but Teal insists that many secrets have been revealed and many battles have been lost because of gold arrogance. And he reiterates that that's their greatest weakness. There's dramatic music. There's a lot of dramatic there music is. in this there episode. There really is. There's also a lot of interesting scene transitions that we get to a bit later on, too. Jack gets up to leave. And as he goes, Tilk reminds Jack that when he's talking to Sam, he can't see a friend. He has to see a Gwold, but Jack isn't sure how to do that. <sighs> that would be rough. Yeah. Hagfish Sam is standing in a prison cell. They're random lasers. <laughs> Creepily, <laughs> Creepily yeah. just staring into space, standing like in the middle of the cell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was an yeah. odd choice. <laughs> there are also random lasers in there. I'm not really sure yeah. what the point of those is. Yeah, I guess they're like they're like motion sensor lasers, but like she's behind bars, and this is the only view we get of those lasers. So yeah. I don't know if they just like turn them off later. But yeah, that was know. weird. <laughs> Jack is let in by a soldier guarding, and then sends the soldier out of the room because he wants to have a private conversation. Jack tells. Hagfish Sam, they've got to have a little talk. <laughs> Says you screwed up here, blew it. Uh, which I think is his trying to use Teal's tactic. Yeah. yeah. But she shakes her head and tells him you are weak. 
Jack's like, who's behind bars right now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then outright, she says, this is not going to work with me. And she would like for Jack to let her go. (laughs) Jack's like, no. And Sam Hagfish says, no, you have no idea why this is happening. And she's saying this all in her Gould voice, just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You really have no idea why this is happening. And then she sits down in the bed, crosses her arms. Very dramatically. And like with emphasis. (laughs) (laughs) And Jack's like, I guess you don't feel like telling me anything. At the hospital, Daniel's still talking to the same woman as before. Daniel shows the woman a picture of the man that the gold came from. And the woman says that that was her husband and is surprised to learn that there was something inside of him. (laughs) Daniel says that he understands how difficult it can be because of what happened with his wife. And he asks if she noticed anything different about him, like any new injuries or scars. And she says that she did notice a new injury on his neck a few months ago. And Daniel's like, months ago? You didn't notice anything different about how he was acting? Didn't his eyes glow? And he starts to get really condescending and is clearly upsetting her. But thankfully, he did actually catch himself and apologizes and says that he should let her rest. So he gets up and leaves. And this was... A cool scene, I thought, because the camera follows him as he walks out the door and by the room of the burn victim. But then the camera stops as Daniel walks off screen and the camera zooms into the room, shows us the empty bed and then pans over the edge of the bed and shows us the doctor lying unconscious on the floor. Pans over to the right and it shows us an open medicine cabinet that I couldn't see what all that stuff was. And I really wanted to know what the things were in the medicine cabinet in this random person's room because... Would they keep stuff in a medicine cabinet in an ICU I don't, room? I, Is this an ICU? Because it's not an ICU across the hall. I was confused. I have no anyway, idea. <laughs> that's a random tangent. A bandaged hand reaches up and closes the medicine cabinet, and we see the reflection of the bandaged burn guy. So I thought that whole thing yeah, was cool. Agreed. He reaches up and pulls the bandages off of his face, and it turns out his face is fully healed. He's perfectly Ooh. fine. He starts making some choking noises as he's pulling bandages off of his fingers. And then he pukes up a sparkle (laughs) bling into the sink. So that was gross. And he wipes it off and puts it on his hands. Since I've been watching Arrested Development today, I've watched uh, multiple times Job trying to vomit up uh, handcuff keys today. So this kind of reminded me of that. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Very silly. That is very silly. Frazier enters the bandaged man's room and there is a man in the bed, all bandaged up again. Mm. So she checks on him and then just leaves because he seems all no change. Normal. Yeah. He's got life signs. Everything's fine. (laughs) That's that scene. That's that scene. (laughs) This has a lot of short scenes in it. Back at the base. Sam and Jack are having a stare down as she's sitting there in her cell with her face kind of half in shadow. Sam says that if they let her go, she'll go find a new host and send their friend back completely unharmed. And Jack is skeptical and surprised to learn that that might be a possibility. But Sam 
assures him that it's difficult but possible. Jack points out that the Nassian man died when the hagfish left it, and Sam slash hagfish slash Gould says the man died first, and that's why she left it. Jack asks what the Gould here was doing there in the first place, and the Gould says that Carter's mind would still be intact. She'll come back like she was before. Jack says that he doesn't trust her. And Sam Hagfish says that she could have killed him and all of the others when they stopped her from going through the gate, but she didn't. Jack is still unconvinced, and he's sure that the Gould wouldn't have wanted to die with the rest of them either. But Sam says, well, it wouldn't have killed me because I am too valuable. And how would a grenade have known her value in order to not kill her when she let it blow up? That logic seemed a little bit flawed to say that you're too valuable for a grenade to kill you. Yeah, I I wasn't sure she was just trying to say that she was going to continue to call the bluff and they would just give up and let her go through. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Know. This is another weird dialogue yeah. scene that was a little bit disjointed and odd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, Jack says that that's exactly why they're never going to let her go, because she is so valuable. So she says, I've caused no harm, and you wouldn't let me go, even if you did believe me. And suddenly, the gold voice turns off, and the normal Sam voice turns back on, and Sam starts pleading with Jack for help, and for him to not leave her, and says that the gold is telling the truth. And he was on his way out at this point, and he does pause as he's opening the door, but he doesn't look back, and he does just leave. But then her face goes back to clearly the Gould, so I feel yes. like that was all a ruse. I believe you are correct, yeah. In the hospital, the former burn victim is now dressed as a doctor, because he, you know, did a little swap with the doctor, who's now the burn victim. Yeah. Good thing that they wear the same size yeah, clothing and bandages. Very convenient. Yeah. He's sparkle blinging an unconscious old man. And yeah. this one seems to just kind of x-ray his head. I'm not really sure. He's just kind of looking <laughs> in yes. his head. Yeah, it's not really like the traditional sparkle bling, which also covers the fingertips. This one's like a mini special yeah. sparkle bling and apparently works differently, too. Yeah. Back at the base. Hagfish Sam has apparently requested to see Teal'c. So Teal'c goes in. And Hagfish Sam says, you must convince the humans to let me go. Teal'c says, they will not. So she says, the Tauri have become powerful since the system lords ruled, but the Gould will not let this go unchecked, and I can help provide info to defend against an attack. And Teal'c's like, well, we've already thwarted one attack. We're pretty, we're pretty good. Hagfish <laughs> Sam seems to be pretty sure they're probably already planning... Another attack. Teal'c says that they're not fools and they believe that Sam is there to plant the seed of that destruction. Then Hagfish Sam says that not all Gould are the same as the system lords, that some of them oppose them. And have you heard of the Tok'ra? <gasps> but Teal'c is, as he should be, skeptical. And says that all Gould are out for power and are, will happily kill their own brothers to get it. And then Hagfish Sam says some seek it for greater purpose. It's all about the greater good. Which we don't know what that greater purpose might be. 
But that not all Gould are enemies of the humans on Earth. And she says the Tok'ra are real. Tilk says, I have yet to meet one. And Sam then says, I am Jolinar of Malkshire. Then there's dramatic music. And Tilk <laughs> abruptly yes. leaves. Just leaves. It's like when people are having a phone conversation in movies and they just like hang up without saying anything. This reminded me of that because he just turns around and walks out of the room. Hi. <laughs> Let's talk to you. Yeah. Back in the hospital, Daniel, once again, without knocking, walks in to the room of the woman from earlier and is again surprised to find people there. This time, the person that he sees, though, is what he thinks is a doctor. In fact, it is the former burn victim, Sparkle, blinging her in the face. But from his perspective behind the doctor, he can't see what the doctor's actually doing. So the burn guy former burn guy abruptly leaves and Daniel asks how she's doing on his way out and he's like she's good (laughs) Daniel walks in and just watches her sleep (laughs) like you do (laughs) oh yeah out in the hallway a camera follows a nurse and Frazier comes up behind her and asks if she's seen Dr. Jacobs the nurse has not seen Dr. Jacobs and Frazier asks for the blood work on the patient in room 412 Nurse sorts through the giant stack of files that she's holding and hands one to Fraser. Fraser takes a look at it and then is completely overcome with a look of horror and runs to the room of the burn guy, takes off his bandages, and oh my goodness, it is Dr. What Jacobs. do you think she saw in that file? I was wondering that too. Yeah, well, like what specific markers are they looking at that would tell them that it is a ghoul? Yeah. No idea. <laughs> Maybe they did some... I don't know what they do to people and burn victims. Do they MRI them or (laughs) CAT scan them? Uh, Well, I don't think that they would have been... I I have no idea. Like, you don't necessarily need to do an MRI on them unless you suspect, like, other kinds of injuries. But I thought she specifically said she wanted his blood work. She did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. know. Well, anyway, something in his blood made her go, ah! (laughs) <laughs> I wonder if maybe it looked more normal than she would have expected because the Gua would make would make him heal faster. So maybe she was like expecting it to be like way out of whack for somebody recovering from major burns and it like looked like a normal healthy maybe. person. I don't really know a whole lot. That's that's a little out of my scope of knowledge. You should go get an MG and then come back and talk about this. <laughs> I'm on it, yeah. Jack and Teal'c are in the SGC walking towards, I think, the cell again. I thought this was a cool scene, too, because, like, you're looking at them through the grating on the door, and they're walking yeah. towards that door. Yeah, it was cool. And Teal'c yeah. is talking about the Tok'ra legend to Jack. So Jack wants to know, is he who he says he is? And Teal'c cannot be sure. And they've entered... Yeah, or they're inside. Sorry. So yeah, the camera backs up as yeah. they open the door. So they enter the prison, and Jelinar says, "We don't carry ID." I guess I'm gonna yeah. call her Jelinar now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was also another scene where I thought that, that it was weird dialogue because, like, Jack basically reiterates the entire conversation that they just had that we all just watched. So I felt like they didn't need to have 
Tilk telling Jack about it. Yeah. Like, they, we could all just assume that they had already done this and then pick up from there. Especially because after this, we get another didn't. scene in the conference room where they're also talking exactly. about the Tok'ra, so... Exactly. <laughs> they replay the entire conversation yet again for yeah. Hammond later, but anyway, we're not no. there yet. <laughs> Jack says that they need to build some trust and asks Jolinar about the badly burned Nassian who somehow got out of bed and disappeared... And Jolinar says it must be an Ashrak, which Tilk identifies as a hunter. Jack asks if mm-hmm. it's a Gould, and Jolinar says yes, it is an assassin of the highest rank who carries out the orders of the system lords, and they are here to kill Jolinar. That it does suck. Because Jolinar is in Sam's body. Mm-hmm. Awkward. <laughs> Very yeah. inconvenient to be Sam right now. <laughs> I only just noticed that your name is New Laptop. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't have a new laptop. <laughs> In the meeting room, again, Tilk recaps the entire conversation and everything else. So I'll skip over all of that. But then he finally does add that Jolinar once led a battle of the resistance against Apophis, but Jolinar was defeated, yet somehow managed to escape while all of his armies were being Which slaughtered. Which were those armies, Jaffa? Humans? Like, who did Jolinar leave to, I, like, die? Yeah, I don't know. They didn't really clarify that either. So, again, weird dialogue you know, example. If they're, if they're human uh, slaves or Jaffa, sounds like a real champ, not that different from the gold. Yeah. Right, exactly. I thought that that was also suspect. Yeah. Jack says that Jolinar seems to be wanted by the gold, and Daniel asks what the resistance is, and Tilk says the Tok'ra. So again, we get more explanation into who the Tok'ra are. Uh, It says that the Tok'ra oppose the system lords, and Braytak first told Tilk about them a long time ago. Hammond says that this guy could be lying to gain our trust, and he says there's absolutely no evidence of sabotage on the base. And Daniel says that's why Jolinar didn't reveal himself to be a Gua'uld, which that whole conversation seemed to be extremely disjointed, and I don't really understand how they went from one thing to the next to the next. But anyway, he points out that Jolinar was probably hiding in the Nassian Man. And Tilk says that until he is hunted down by the Ashrak... And then when he realized that we may have helped him escape through the gate, he improvised. And who he was here is a little bit ambiguous, too. But what I think Tilk actually meant was that when he realized that when the Ashrak realized that they helped Jolinar escape, that the Ashrak then improvised. Yeah. Him and asks where that leaves them. And Jack says there might be a gold out there that wants to kill Carter (laughs) is where that leaves us. And Daniel points out that they have no idea what this person even looks like. And then we did get another cool transition here to Daniel staring at his reflection in the glass as he's looking out at the gate room. And we fade out into the reflection of the burn man looking at himself in the glass as he is looking out the window in a door at the hospital. It was cool. It was. And the Dr. Sparkle Bling asks a soldier (laughs) if they're sending people home 
And the guy says, sort of, or in a way, I don't know. But anyway, that was yeah. literally that whole scene. <laughs> it was. It was a very yeah. exciting scene. Back at the SGC in the prison, Daniel goes to see Jolinar slash Sam. Jolinar wants to know why it took so long to come see him. Daniel's all business, though, and would like a description of the Ashrak. But Jolinar says they will only know his face in the moments before he tortures him to death and also kills Sam, too. That was... <laughs> yes. Also that. <laughs> Daniel weirdly says he's not getting in here, and Jolinar points out, you are not stupid. <laughs> Daniel thinks, well, he's not sure you're here or on this base. And Jolinar is confident that he is a gold and he will find him. And the only way to save Sam is to trust Jolinar and let him leave. And Daniel says, I'm sorry to Sam. Specifying her name rather than Jolinar, yeah. Jolinar again tries to reason, says that they could be a powerful ally, but dead, they're useless. Daniel needs more than empty promises, he says, and so... Jolinar dangles Sheree at Daniel. Not Not literally. literally. (laughs) I just had her in my pocket. Look what I've got in my pocket. It's your wife. (laughs) Dangle. But specifically, Jolinar says that he knows where Sheree is. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) That's where it ended. Back at the hospital, there are transport trucks loading up. With all of the Nassians who are getting ready to go. So I guess they've all recovered quite rapidly. And we see the same woman from before. She's in the back of one of the trucks as they're closing at the gate. And then we shift to the cab of one of the trucks. And a driver's sitting there ready to go. And the Ashrak climbs in. The driver's like, who the hell are you? And the Akrash says, I'm John Adams. The driver's like, you're not John Adams. And then the Ashrak sparkle blings him in the face. And the driver gets this kind of zombified trance-like expression on his face he shifts his gaze forward and puts the truck in (laughs) the team has moved from discussing things in the conference room at the sgc to doing so in hammond's office (laughs) for some reason (laughs) jack is saying that this is a ploy jillinar is playing into daniel's greatest weakness his wife daniel says but this could be our best chance to get sam back teal actually agrees Jack is skeptical. Daniel says the Tok'ra are different from the Gould. And they only take willing hosts who are basically on their deathbed. And Carter was an exception to this because Jelinar was desperate, basically. Neil also says that Jelinar told them this could be a rewarding relationship between the nearly dead humans who take on these Tok'ra hosts. And Jack says, sorry, but I'm never going to trust a Gould. And then Hammond gets a phone call on his gray phone that the Nassians have arrived. So, Yeah. Yeah. We go to a security checkpoint and people are coming through one at a time. The last one in line happens to be the Ashrak guy. I should have probably mentioned before that he is no longer dressed like a doctor. He is in fatigue. I forgot about that too. (laughs) There is a hand scanner. So he goes to take off his sparkle bling and put his hand in. And the guard's like, what the hell is that thing? 
And the Ashrock is like, it's a ring. Want a closer look? And he puts it back on and sparkle blings the guy in the face. <laughs> and the guard lets him through and tells him to have a nice day. <laughs> he then goes to a security room of some sort. It's a, got a bunch of monitors on the wall with views of different security cameras. And everybody looks up and he tells them, as you were. That's yeah. <laughs> in the gate room, Daniel is leaving Dantasian's in because they're preparing to go through the Stargate, which is dialing. End of scene. <laughs> Back in the security room, Ashrak is looking at the monitor, showing Jolinar in the cell, and we pan out to see all the guards are unconscious. The Ashrak smiles and leaves the room. In the control room, <laughs> Hammond, Teal'c, and Jack are watching over the process of the Nazians leaving to wherever they're being resettled, which I don't think we ever hear exactly where no. that is. But Hammond gets another phone call. It's the infirmary who says that the driver of the truck, the one we saw all dazed, has reported to the infirmary and has no memory of transporting the people to the SGC. So Jack... That's yeah. problematic. Jack has someone call up security camera 16 Delta. There's no <laughs> feed, though. Jack yeah. Tilk run for it. Hammond calls a security team to level 16 holding room. And in the meantime, the gate opens. It does. it does. I don't know why they continued with the... I guess it didn't matter in the end, but I don't know why they continued with this let's let everyone go process when they didn't yeah. know who they're looking for. <laughs> Right, yeah, and they've first of all, they've got somebody that they don't know what they look like, and that could be a gold that might try to kill everybody once they get through the gate. But then also, they have a security problem in that the camera is down in the cell, and they've got this guy who blacked out for a while, and they're like, yeah. Yeah, let's just go it, ahead with this. It this seemed like a weird choice. Again, it didn't matter in the end, mm -hmm. but it, yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, I agree. Down in the cell... The Ashrak has apparently found Jolinar and comments that the humans have interesting weapons as he looks down at his gun. He goes up and rips the cell open with his bare <laughs> hands and says that Jolinar is going to die with dishonor, as has been decreed by the system lord. And he kind of like is spouting off a speech that sounds a little bit like reading somebody's Miranda rights or death sentence or something along those lines. He raises his sparkle bling and... Jolinar says that their days are numbered and to tell them that they died with hope and that Jolinar's death will only feed the fires that burn in the Tok'ra. The Azhrak flings Jolinar in the face and we get a nice view of Sam's skull, <laughs> since this is still Sam's body with Jolinar in it. The guards come in with guns drawn and find the Azhrak kneeling over Jolinar a second later. Sam's body is collapsed on the floor. The Ashrak says that she's dead and then plays it cool like he's one of them and says, let's go! And he runs out and the guards follow him. We pan down to see Sam unconscious on the floor, Dalinar unconscious on the floor. Whoever's in charge of this body right now is unconscious <laughs> on the floor. And there's also a couple of dead guards in the background as well. Out in the hall, the Ashrak and his followers now... Uh, <laughs> The Ashrak, <laughs> along with his other soldiers, are running, and they come across Jack and Tilk. The Ashrak reports that everybody in the cell is dead. Dead, Jim. So Jack and Tilk enter and check the guards who are dead, and Jack runs over to Sam and is like, Sam, Sam, Tilk, get a medical team down here. And he's trying to revive her. 
So they do get a medical team down there, and they are bringing her into the infirmary. Fraser has climbed on top and is doing chest compre- chest compressions. <laughs> Very yes, ER. Yes. Every time that happens, I'm like, this is from ER. Yeah. <laughs> She's also barking orders at the people in there about what she needs from them. So they're working on her while Jack and Teal'c watch. On Sam slash Jillinar. Yeah. And Jack was wiping his eye. No, I that? missed that. Ooh. No. Yeah. They showed Jack kind of wiping his eye. He looks like he's wiping a tear away and trying to not let it be obvious that he was getting oh, I teary. That. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was sad. So we have this one peaceful, calm moment <laughs> at the Stargate where Daniel is saying goodbye to the woman that he had invaded her hospital room a couple of times <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> yeah it was a weird a weird chaos peaceful for two yeah. seconds back to chaos <laughs> yeah <laughs> so speaking of that chaos they're back in the infirmary and they're getting a weird signal from the eeg which is a thing that reads brain uh brain activity and the text says it looks like they're getting two signals and fraser's like well isolate it because one of those is probably from the parasite in the gate room the ashrak and his team run in as the gate closes and daniel's kind of slowly wandering down the ramp towards him and looks at the ashrak and is like hey don't i recognize you because he walked past him before when he was dressed as the doctor so the ashrak takes daniel hostage and says that they can't stop him from leaving or else he's going to kill Daniel. <laughs> that was another one where I was like, what, Daniel? You're like, hey, Daniel. I know you. <laughs> yeah, the way he said it, he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> it was strange. <laughs> in the infirmary, Frazier tells Jack that she doesn't really have any idea what to do in this scenario because she's never dealt with something like this because it seems that the Gould is dying and taking Carter down with it. In the gate room, Hammond calls down from the control room that no harm will come to the Ashrak if he releases Daniel, but the Ashrak demands that the gate be turned back on. And of course, Hammond refuses to do that. But the Ashrak says to turn it on now. Or Daniel is going to die. In the infirmary, the is it the tech or Fraser reports yeah. the tech? The, the tech, tech reports the parasite is getting weaker. The intruder alert sounds, so Jack sends Teal'c off to check that out while Jack stays behind yeah. to keep an eye on what's going on with Sam. The Ashrak again demands the Stargate be opened. And then he starts firing his gun at the glass at the control room. It does not break. It's yeah. probably bulletproof. Or at the very least, yes. very strong. In the infirmary, they're going to shock Sam. Saminar. Saminar. Whoever is in there. <laughs> in the gate room, Tilt comes in, and he's got a Zat gun. He says he's sorry to Daniel, and then shoots them both. Both the Ashrak and Daniel. The Ashrak drops Daniel, and Tilk then delivers the second fatal shot to the Ashrak. Thankfully, Daniel's yes. out of the way since he's collapsed yeah. on the ground at this point. <laughs> Daniel's on the floor. Tilk leans over him and asks if he's injured. Daniel says that's a dumb question, <laughs> but thank you. Tilk says you're welcome, and Daniel's like, don't do that again, please. Ever. <laughs> 
In the infirmary, Fraser reports the parasite is dead. They're getting ready to do more work on Sam. She mentions an EpiPen and... Or Epi, I don't know. And yeah. a, It yeah, is the same whatever. thing. <laughs> it's just not a pen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but it's the same stuff. <laughs> and they're readying the defibrillator. But then Sam's heart starts again. So Fraser checks her out. The tech reports that her heart rate is faint but stable. And they give her, they, they're blowing some air in her lungs with the, I don't know what that thing is, but. <laughs> Sam wakes up and looks around. Jack says, you did it, Sam, you won. Sam looks at him and shakes her head and says, that wasn't me. And Jack's like, yes, you beat it. <laughs> it's just being very encouraging. But he's, yeah, he's got he it all wrong because yeah. Sam says the gold gave its life for her and saved her. And everyone looks a little surprised. A little bit later in Sam's room, she seems to have her own room now. Daniel brings a giant vase of flowers, which is very nice and lovely. And he puts it down on a table nearby. Sam is lying on her side in the foreground, facing towards the camera, but away from Daniel. And she's looking pretty despondent. Daniel asks how she is. We don't see the rest of that conversation, and it seems like there probably wasn't really any more to that conversation, because after that, we go to outside, yeah. where Fraser, Cassandra, and Jack are all sitting and waiting, and Daniel comes out and tells them that Sam is still doing the same. Cassandra says that Fraser told her that the Gwold left Sam's body after it died, and Daniel's like, yeah, it died, and her body's reabsorbing it right now, so she's back to being our normal Carter again. And Jack tells Cassandra that she's just sad right now, but that I'm sure she'll feel better when she sees you. So he gets up and takes her in to see Sam and the others follow. Cassandra goes up to Sam and puts a hand on her shoulder and tells Sam that it's her. And Sam turns over to look at her and Cassandra tells her she'll be okay. And Sam looks very sad. The I teared up at that. I, it, was it was really... Yeah, yeah. It was sad. <laughs> Whew, so that's that episode. One question I had was, yes, why is Cassandra allowed at the SGC when her body is a bomb <laughs> that goes off if it gets near the Stargate? It's. I thought they said at some point that her body is reabsorbing the all the materials in there, and that she, you know, Fraser pointed out that she still has some Naquita yeah. in her blood, but the, I don't think the I bomb. I wasn't is sure if anymore. it just all went away. <laughs> So I think it's being re yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's okay. just being reabsorbed. <laughs> it won't it won't if she gets too close to the Nakwood, it won't start again. <laughs> no, I don't think it will. I mean at least they're that's what the I thought that's what they said before. Like I don't know that you would have a giant metal ball in your chest that actually would get reabsorbed <laughs> get absorbed by your body, know. but that's yeah. the logic they're sticking with, so <laughs> Otherwise, that would be a great yeah. question. Yeah, you wouldn't want them to be want her to be near that. But this is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you like the episode? Um, yes, I did like the episode. <laughs> I particularly liked Sam's performance as Jelinar, mm -hmm. and then at the end, I was like. Poor Sam. <laughs> and I like, it seemed like there would be lasting effects of this experience she's had, which I 
kind of looking mm-hmm. forward to, you know, seeing what, what that's like. Um, I liked some of the transitions, like particularly I had also noted the, the reflection in the glass one. That was really cool. Yeah. I think that I had a few questions about the decision making of the characters in this as usual, like mm-hmm. Fraser being like, oh, there's no way of knowing how to find a gould without an MRR, even though I found this abrasion in Sam's throat. Or, I don't know, <gasps> Daniel just being like, no, what? That's, <laughs> that is not what he's like, but <laughs> it's just what it felt like. It yeah. kind of was, though. <laughs> I like that threads dropped in other episodes are kind of picked up. So, like, you get to see Cassandra again Mm -hmm. and the sort of hint that the SGC is now being funded better and not under threat of being shut down after a horrible attempted attack on Earth. Um, Yeah. So, I like the continuity. I don't That's, I guess, a... Those are the things I liked. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. I had mixed feelings about it. I liked the overall storyline. I thought it was an entertaining episode. And as I mentioned already, I liked a lot of the artistic choices that they made with like transitions and framing different shots and stuff like that. And the choices that they made for where to insert all this dramatic music. So a lot of it I found really entertaining. But again, some of the scripting and just the way that they wrote these conversations just was weird to me because like i said parts of it were were redundant and it didn't really need to be said because they'd already told it to us and so we don't need to see them describing the stuff that was already said to yet another person and then other parts of it seemed to be like somebody would say something and then somebody else would say something that had nothing to do with the the thing the first person said and then someone else would say something that had nothing to do with what that person said so it was just odd odd disjointedness of conversation in the script and I found that to be a little bit distracting and strange. But overall, like I said, I liked the story. I liked the storyline and the episode as a whole. Woo. Yeah. Okay. What's, What's next? next? Busting out the Netflix. The Netflix, the Netflix. Or should I use the booklet? Who knows? <laughs> Go away, Netflix. I don't want to see the 2021 Oscars collection. Bite me. (laughs) Honestly. Why not? I have no fucks to give about award shows. (laughs) Or movies that are awarded things at shows. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, the Netflix description is... Okay, so this is season two, episode three of SG-1 called Prisoners. While exploring a planet, the team is approached by a man who asks for help escaping from a pursuer, but they discover the man is a fleeing murderer. Which, and I'm going to read the second one too. That sounds Because, bad. again, that is literally what happens at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> this one. Okay. After the SG-1 team inadvertently helps a desperate criminal, they are charged as accessories to murder and banished to a desolate penal colony. Only one woman there has the power to help them escape, but freedom might not be worth the price she's asking. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to talk about? Uh, no. I hear Pepper snoring, but that's not really that interesting <laughs> or different from usual. I find oh, it interesting. Good. Hey, Pepper. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice if you have not already done so. We're on just about all of them. And you'll then you'll get your episodes as soon as they're released. You can also find us on YouTube. Reviews and likes are greatly appreciated since they help other people to find the podcast. And word of mouth is also incredibly appreciated because that helps even more people to find out about our show. You can get in touch with us between episodes by emailing us, stargatesing at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. We're at stargatesing there. And if you're feeling generous and want to get the episodes a little bit earlier, you can donate at patreon.com slash stargatesing. And you can also check out our website at stargatesing.space. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. <laughs> and you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end. Daniel and Tika Rat Teak. Wow, wow, I. It's like Teal, but made yes. of wood. <laughs> like the creepy guy in the first yes. scene. <laughs>